Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson across the nation. Glad to have you with me today. My goodness gracious, uh, we got to spend a lot of time talking non-political stuff, but this first hour, I actually want to spend probably more time than I should on the Trump stuff, and I want to take it from a couple of angles. Uh, First, I want to begin with this montage uh, that the media that can't define a woman and can no longer define a recession uh, is very insistent they can define what is and is not a raid and what is and is not political. The FBI is a conservative-leaning law enforcement organization, and we've sort of like lost lost the thread on that in the past six years. These attacks against the FBI, these attacks against the most important federal law enforcement agency Less than in America. 24 hours after a peaceful search that they gave them a yeah. heads up on. Peaceful search. <laughs> it's all legal. It's all lawful. It's not a raid. They didn't, you know, they, they're not there improperly or unlawfully. The Justice Department is returning to its historical position as a law enforcement agency above politics trying to do the right thing. I don't think there was any politics involved. This appears to be a nonpartisan process. Because anybody on this set had done the same thing, the exact same result would have occurred. A judge would not sign off on that if there were not Mm -hmm. uh, evidence. Sources tell me that, you know, there's a reason. They wouldn't go in there if it wasn't really significant. If they didn't, they weren't really concerned about the nature of the classified information that Trump had, what he might be doing with it, who he might be showing it to. These are real national security concerns. And the fact that a federal judge approved it shows that, hey, they've got something there. We just don't know what it is. The former president and his allies are escalating their attacks on the FBI, claiming without any evidence that the investigation is politically motivated. These attacks on the FBI are just very sort of out there and outlandish. Every person out there attacking this is essentially attacking non-politicized and independent law enforcement. Republican attacks on the Department of Justice and the FBI intensify, prompting fears rhetoric could turn to violence. Growing concerns over the reaction from possible right-wing extremists. And they're fomenting that violence uh, right now. The dangerous rhetoric that is being fomented because of this, because of how Trump talks about a raid on his home. No, man, there was no raid on your home. They are basically saying that the, the that law enforcement is engaging in some kind of a political attack. Well, the fact of the matter is, it, it's not, it, 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 we, there's no reason to believe that, and there's no basis for them to assert that. That's why we have law enforcement to actually bring fascists to justice. Fascists to justice. Oh, Joe. Uh, I I, I want you to throw a couple of competing ideas into your head with me. Because I've got a a theory. We have a problem. And I've got the solution. Here's my theory. I'm going to take everyone at their word that Merrick Garland is a politically tone-deaf goofball who doesn't know how to operate in the corridors of power. Just bear with me here before you laugh out of hand. Just follow along with me. Uh, This has been a Republican and a Democrat critique of Merrick Garland for a very long time, even when he was on the courts. He wasn't very good at navigating uh, the politics of Washington, D.C. He got where he got because he was a a great uh, lawyer, 
who had some political connections, but he had uh, political benefactors more than he himself was a political guy. And now he's wound up uh, as a martyr uh, because of his failed confirmation for the Supreme Court. He's wound up at the attorney general's office, and he's there only because of what happened to him at the end of the Obama administration. And he is surrounded by political maestros. So Merrick Garland is convinced the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And by the way, I've decided, yes, it was technically just a search, but I'm going to call it a raid in large part because all the people who can't tell me what a woman is are insisting it's not. And so I feel like I should at least be able to co-op definitions myself. And I'm going to call it a raid. The raid at Mar-a-Lago. So... Merrick Garland is essentially the puppet being used by the political people. What have the Democrats been telling us for months now? For months and months and months, they want to make the midterms about Donald Trump. They want to keep Donald Trump at the forefront. They want to keep Donald Trump front and center. They want people focused on Trump and not Biden. I mean, they've said this. There were reports in the New York Times not a month ago that the Biden administration was beginning to subtly apply pressure on Merrick Garland to pursue and stop Donald Trump. Joe Biden believes Donald Trump is a threat to the republic. He's got to be stopped. Merrick Garland, do something. So along come the political apparatchiks inside the Department of Justice to Merrick Garland and say, hey, Former president turned over 15 boxes of documents to the National Archives that he shouldn't have had. We think not all the documents that should be there are there. Because all these documents, when they're put in boxes, they're all cataloged very specifically. This is new information you may not know, and this is why they knew there had to be some documents there. When the box, when the boxes are taken from the White House with classified and top-secret information, every single document is listed in a master log. So when they were returned to the National Archives, they could compare the documents in each box to the master log and see, huh, this document isn't here, must still be at Mar-a-Lago. Now, everything was returned. Everything was returned in June. So you've had June, you've had July, and now August 8th arrives. They could wait until after November. They could wait to avoid this being an election issue. But the political apparatchiks at the at the FBI, they're like, no, 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 no. We got to go. The political apparatchiks of the Department of Justice are like, absolutely. We got to go now. We've got to get Trump front and center. Have you seen Joe Biden's polling? And so they go to Merrick Garland and they say, listen, we can't wait until November. You've got Iranian agents in this country trying to kill uh, John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. You've got the Russians and the Chinese spies here. These are top secret classified documents. We can't wait until after the election. We got to go to Mar-a-Lago now. There may be people in Trump's orbit who are willing to sell the documents. Merrick, come on, man. We got to go. And so Merrick Garland says, let's go. Let's roll. So they go down there and they take the documents. And Merrick Garland Pats himself on the back. This is for national security. This has nothing to do with politics. And all the other people in the Department of Justice like you, sucker, of course it's politics. And look what happens. The entirety of the media seizes on it. And they make the midterms now about Trump. It's something the Democrats have been wanting to do. And, of course, Trump can't help himself. Trump loves the attention. Trump wants it to be about himself. And then he sees the polling. All the Republicans who are looking at Ron DeSantis are suddenly saying, I got to vote for Trump now. By God, he's got to be the nominee. We got to have our man's back. Trump loves it, so he's going to make it about himself as well. 
and the Republicans take the Democrats' bait. Now, I got a, a two buddies of mine, Matt and David. Matt and David uh, got me into fly fishing. And I've learned something. You go fly fishing and those, oh, I'm, I, well, I can't say the word I want to say, but it accurately describes the trout who they grab hold of your fly and then they spit it out at you. I had one of those little SOBs one time actually come up out of the water and splash me after spitting my fly out of its mouth. I started beating the water with my rod and using every profane word I know. Jesus himself showed up and said, dude, repent. It was that bad. I mean, it was awful. I was so mad. I'm still mad at that. I can feel my blood pressure rising right now. So the the fish literally took the bait and then spit it out at me, jumped out of the water, splashed me, and got back under the water. That's what Republicans should do. They've taken the bait, and Democrats are ready to make this about Donald Trump. So make it about Donald Trump. The Democrats have been dying for the opportunity to make the midterms about Trump and not Biden. Republicans, you're going to take the bait. You're going to make it about Trump. So make it about Trump. And have Trump make it about Trump. But don't do it the way the Democrats want. Don't do it about searches and seizures and investigations and possible crimes. Do it about Joe Biden. Under Donald Trump, our economy didn't suck. Under Donald Trump, gas prices were never as high as they are now. Even though they've gone down, they're still way higher than under Trump. Under Donald Trump, your 401k was doing mighty fine until COVID. Oh, and speaking of COVID, Joe Biden said he would beat COVID. And look, we've got another wave coming and the vaccines aren't working that Joe Biden's mandating people get. And he's firing people if they don't get it, even though the vaccines don't work. He won't even let that tennis player come into the country, even though the tennis player is perfectly healthy. The Democrats are forcing it on our kids, our five-year-olds. They've got schools shut down. They're doubling down on schools shut down. This wasn't the problem with Trump. Trump didn't do any of this stuff. Donald Trump had a great economy. Donald Trump was actually taking out the terrorist bad guys. Donald Trump never actually handed Afghanistan back to the Taliban, where al-Qaeda has taken up residence again. Under Donald Trump, we were safe, secure, and our 401ks were fine. And under Joe Biden, we are not safe. We are not secure. The border is no longer secure. He's reversed Trump's policy, and our 401ks suck. If the Democrats want us to make it about Donald Trump, make it about Donald Trump compared to Joe Biden because every American who will go vote this November remembers what the Trump administration was like. Sure, it may have been chaotic. Sure, there were mean tweets, but you had a good 401k. You had a good job. The economy was fine and we were secure as a nation. And the border was not being overrun with illegal aliens. The Biden administration can't even have an answer for monkeypox because they're afraid of offending people. So now you got monkeypox and polio spreading in the country. Neither of those were happening when Donald Trump was president either. There's a way to pivot. If you're going to take the bait, take it, but spit it out back at the Democrats like that stupid trout did to me. Pivot. 
Don't do it on the Democrats' terms. The Democrats want to spend the next few months relitigating Donald Trump as a criminal, authoritarian mastermind. I mean, listen to, listen to Ron Brownstein, and I'm going to play this clip again later, but I want you to hear it now. Ron Brownstein, political analyst on CNN. I'm going to play just a little bit of this. Look, I mean, this is, again, if you think about what's happening in the Republican Party, um, this very much fit, fits the pattern that we've seen uh, in examples of this abroad, where any uh, any kind of unearthing of misconduct or illegal behavior by the leader is immediately translated by the party into an attack on its voters. This is this is an argument that Trump has made. You know what? Yeah, and it works. I, I, I hear something I don't think Democrats understand. This is, I think, the fatal flaw of the Democrats' plan. If Republicans take the Democrats' bait and make the midterms about Trump, but then turn it on the Democrats that our economy was good under Trump, our national security was good under Trump, our border was good under Trump, look at what's happened under Biden. Here's the other thing. Donald Trump polls better than Joe Biden polls right now. Donald Trump is actually more popular than Joe Biden. Neither is popular, but Trump is more popular. In 2016, Democrats were absolutely convinced he could not beat Hillary Clinton. Turned out Americans loathed Hillary Clinton more than they loathed Donald Trump, and he won. Democrats seem to be making the exact same mistake again. They want to make the midterms about a politician they all hate, convinced the nation hates him just as much as they do. And in fact, the nation hates Joe Biden more than they hate Donald Trump. So if you're going to make this about Donald Trump, make it about the record between the two men. Our economy was not in free fall. We were not headed to recession and gas prices were not nearly as high as they are now, nor did you have food shortages and high grocery bills when Donald Trump was president. Remind the American public, remind them why the polling suggests, even though neither is popular, they still do have a softer spot for Donald Trump than they do for Joe Biden, the man who handed Afghanistan to the Taliban and left Americans behind. There's a way for the Republicans to pivot and make the Democrats regret they ever went down this path. The phone lines are open here. As The Voice said, 877-973-7425. It is primary day in Wyoming and Alaska. Uh, let's be very clear here that Liz Cheney is going to be defeated today. Lisa Murkowski is going to make it to the uh, general election. She will win in this. Um, Alaska has an odd uh, voting pattern here. And um, she's got a, a Trump candidate pushing her. The problem here, though, is that uh, Murkowski has actually a well-known, well-known name, popular in uh, Alaska. And a lot of people who aren't necessarily hardcore Republicans will vote Murkowski because Alaska does have a moderate streak to it. Now, the interesting one is Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin is actually on the ballot up there, and you wouldn't know it. Um, she's been in Alaska. She's avoided a lot of the national spotlight. Uh, there are some concerns up there from her fans that she may not have run an aggressive enough campaign. And given the way the Alaska uh, ballot works, she might actually not be able to make it uh, to the general election. We will see. That one's going to be interesting. But I, I want to spend just a moment here on Wyoming because I, I, I want to say something here. Uh, and it's going to rub somebody the wrong way, and I don't mean to. 
I am a longtime fan of the Cheney family. Lynn Cheney is a phenomenal human being and patriot. Her husband, Dick Cheney, is a fantastic patriot. Um, I have been to the vice president's house when he was vice president to have lunch with him. He was very kind to me, um, pushed me into getting a hobby, encouraged me to go down the road of fly fishing. And all these years later, I finally said, ah, maybe he was right. He and Tucker Carlson, both big fly fishing advocates. Uh, I, I think Dick Cheney kept this country safe and saw threats where a lot of people did not, and he was proven right. Uh, his reputation on the right has been downgraded over time as people got tired of supposed forever wars. I think Dick Cheney was right. I think he was a great Secretary of Defense. I think he was a good congressman. I think he was a great vice president. And I like Liz Cheney tremendously. And she will lose on principle because she saw something she thought was an injustice. She saw something she thought was bad, and she sought to correct it. And so she's going to lose because the Republican Party will put up with a lot, but will not put up with aggressive critics of Donald Trump in Washington, D.C. But I also have to say this. There was a but there. I think she went about it poorly. I understand why she did. She felt alienated by her own party in Congress. They first had her back and then they turned on her. And when they turned on her, and Kevin McCarthy no longer supported her in leadership, uh, they unleashed her in a way that I think she could have gone about exactly the same thing she wanted to do in a better, more diplomatic way. Instead, she decided to rub people's noses in Trump, and she will lose today as a result. There's principle, but there's also politics, and she forgot the politics. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number 877-973-7425. I want to go back to the audio clip I played a little bit of, and I want to play the full thing. It's important you hear the full thing. This is Ron Brownstein, uh, a political analyst, Los Angeles Times. He really for years has essentially made his name as uh, demography as destiny and the GOP was destined for the ash heap of history. Uh, he's a CNN analyst as well. He has, uh, under the Trump administration, rapidly, aggressively moved to be a hardcore progressive. And I want you to listen to everything he says here. Look, I mean, this is Again, if you think about what's happening in the Republican Party, um, this very much fit, fits the pattern that we've seen uh, in examples of this abroad, where any uh, any kind of unearthing of misconduct or illegal behavior by the leader is immediately translated by the party into an attack on its voters. This is this is an argument that Trump has made all the way through, you know, because, I mean, he, he has argued that he is the human wall against all of the changes, cultural, demographic, social and American life that the vast majority of his voters uh, fear and dislike. And that any time any questions are raised about him, what it's really about is silencing them. And that at the moment is the dominant strain. That's the dominant faction in the Republican Party. You know, so we're going to see what happens if Liz Cheney loses tomorrow night as expected. 
does she go forward into the 2024 Republican presidential primary trying to rally the roughly one fifth to one quarter of Republican voters who polls consistently show are not on board with the Trump uh, vision and the Trump assault on democracy? And what does that mean? I mean, is there a path forward? Clearly, right now, the Trump critics are losing almost all of these key races in Michigan, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, etc. The question is, can they be organized into a force that exerts any influence in the party? Because everything right now is pointing in the other direction towards continued transformation to something much more like what we have seen in places like Turkey or Italy, where the party is simply an, ex- an extension of the will of the strongman. Where the party is the extension of the will of the strong man. In other words, uh, he believes the Republican Party is headed towards authoritarianism. Authoritarianism. Edward Luce. Well, he's someone you need to know. Edward Luce is the associate editor for the Financial Times. He is now mostly an opinion columnist in his day job at the Financial Times. He had been the Washington bureau chief for the Financial Times. Let me read you his tweet from the 12th of August. I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. Have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing comes close. He said this not too long after a man showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house to kill him over abortion. He said this while some group called Jane's Revenge is taking credit for firebombing pregnancy centers around the country. He said this only a couple of years after Antifa and Black Lives Matters burned down small businesses on main streets across America, have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. I venture to guess that Mr. Luce actually speaks for a large portion of his friends in the media. Back in 2020, When the New York Post revealed Hunter Biden's laptop contents, much of the mainstream media brought pressure to bear on Twitter against their peer. The New York Times is a peer to these outlets, and yet these outlets got Twitter to censor the New York Post over publishing the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. The New York Post story was true in every respect. NPR did a story on why they weren't even going to talk about it. It wasn't worth their time. The media circulated uh, a signed letter from a bunch of intelligence officials say, well, actually, it was a it was a Russian disinformation job. It was real. It was real. All of it was true. There's never been a mea culpa from any of these people who signed that letter. There's never been a mea culpa from NPR. There's never been a mea culpa from CNN or any of these other news outlets. There's been excuse making. There's been very little accountability Brian Stelter called it uh, the right-wing noise machine. When Hillary Clinton had her email server, even the FBI first thought there was something there we need to investigate. James Comey might actually have persuaded some people to vote for Trump, given his public letter about the, the ongoing investigation and whatnot. And then after the election, they immediately embraced Russia, stole the election. Forget Hillary being a bad candidate. Forget her going to not going to Erie, Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. 
It's conventional wisdom. Trump couldn't have won. The Russians had to have stolen it. When James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress, there was no hand-wringing about Democratic rhetoric on TV like there is now with um, people threatening the FBI. This man actually shot a bunch of Republicans. And the media quickly moved on. No discussion about the Democrats running ads showing Paul Ryan shoving grandmas off a cliff. No hand-wringing over the Southern Poverty Law Center labeling Republicans hate groups and various conservative outlets hate groups. No, nothing about the Democrats standing on the floor of the House of Representatives saying Republicans wanted people to die. They were going to kill it with a tax cut. They were going to kill it with net neutrality. They were going to kill it with Obamacare repeal. Republicans want people dead. There was no media hand-wringing over any of that like there is now over a guy showing up with a nail gun at an FBI headquarters or someone getting arrested for threatening the FBI. James Hodgkinson didn't commit threats online. He showed up with a gun and started shooting. And the Democrats, no accountability for their rhetoric in the press. When small business owners across the country started protesting to reopen their businesses, the anchors, not reporters, the anchors at the news outlets, including CNN and MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and NBC, were all up in arms. These maskless and oftentimes masked small business owners were so selfish, they needed their businesses reopened. They wanted to go back to work. What about all the people that were going to die? They were going to kill them by spreading COVID. April Ryan, who is a CNN political analyst on social media, said these people needed to sign waivers to be denied COVID care if they got sick. And a few months later, in the George Floyd riots, these very same people in the media were all about get out there and protest. It's your civic obligation to take a stand against racial injustice. Screw the small business owners, but you better take a stand for George Floyd. April Ryan among them. It's like the weather in New York City. You know, there were some terrible floods in Kentucky. Our church raised money on Sunday as Deacon's Fund. They were going to donate the money to the recovery effort in Kentucky. If it was New York City that had flooded like Kentucky, there would still be every night on the news coverage of it because the media is in New York. They care about New York. The media is of the left, so they care about the left. You know, I remember the, the remember the Nashville floods several years ago when Obama was president. Massive floods in Nashville. And the media barely covered it. You would not have known about the devastation of these floods in Nashville, Tennessee, and surrounding areas if you didn't live there or know people there because the national media never covered it. But my gosh, you get one big wave over a wall in New York City during a big storm, and it is a national story about climate change. And oh my gosh, New York is going to flood, and we can't give up New York. Let's cover it, cover it, cover it, cover it, cover it. If it's on the left... It can get traction in the media in a way nothing on the right gets traction in the media. That's the reality. Edward Luce says the Republicans are the most dangerous and contemptible political force today. And I bet a lot of people in the media agree with him, which gets me to Donald Trump. The non-Fox media is absolutely obsessed with sending this guy to prison. He's presumed guilty. The Democrats and the press, they're just trying to figure out what charge will stick to get him to prison. I played you the clip yesterday of Jim Acosta on CNN. He had Sam Donaldson on, and Sam Donaldson compared it to Al Capone. Oh, well, they couldn't get him on being a murderer and a mobster, so they got him on tax charges. That's what this reminds me of. They should charge him with something and put it before a jury. I'd like to see it. Again, like Edward Luce, Sam Donaldson's not alone in the press. And that is why they need to let it go.
the anti-Trump brigade outside of Fox dominates the media. They dominate the national conversation. They control the narratives, the cultural narratives. They control the media narratives. And the right feels increasingly alienated because of it. We don't even try to make our case now in the national press. Why bother trying to make a case in the national press? They're not going to give you airtime. They're not going to give you credibility. They're going to put it four against one. Listen, I, I saw this when I was on TV outside of Fox. It'd be me, the anchor, and two other people, all of whom would be out to get me. It's gotten worse since I was there. They wouldn't even put me on now about a lot of this stuff because I'm considered too friendly to Trump, and I'm a Trump critic. The focus and obsession with seeing justice done is a little bit hypocritical as well, considering the excuse-making they made for Hillary Clinton and what they did to protect Hunter Biden. Those of you on the left need to understand this. If you continue down this road, if you are convinced we must seek justice for the sake of justice, even if the whole world burns, you will set the world on fire. You will. Because since 2015, you've been out to get this guy. You will stop at nothing to get this guy. You're now drumming up charges, storming into Mar-a-Lago, taking a bunch of documents, including his passports. And then the press said, no, 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 they didn't take his passport. Yes, they did. They just gave it back. Here's the funny thing. The Newtonian laws apply to politics. Gravity. What goes up must come down affects politicians polling. And with Joe Biden as a gravitational center of the Democratic Party, it will drag their polling down too. Inertia. Things at rest tend to stay at rest unless the force is acted upon it. Things in motion tend to stay in motion unless the force is acted upon it. We see with inertia and we see with gravity, we see Donald Trump slowly dwindling. Every single month that the question has been asked, are you a Trump voter or a Republican? More and more people have said Republican. Every month that it's been asked, do you want Trump to run again in 2024? The number has gone down. It has gotten all the way down to 53% until August 8th, 2022, last week. When the political apparatchiks at the Department of Justice convinced Merrick Garland something must be done about Donald Trump. And now the Republicans have circled the wagon around Trump like the Democrats did to Hillary Clinton in the emails. Justifiably so. Looks like a political witch hunt. There's been a political witch hunt against Donald Trump since 2015. They've just been trying to find the thing that would get him thrown in jail. And Republicans know it. He's not going to get a fair trial. He's not going to get a fair hearing. He's not even going to get a fair examination of the evidence. They're convinced he did something. They're just not sure what. They're convinced he must go to jail. The right was moving on from Donald Trump until last week. You wait, you just leave him alone, you ignore him, you stop covering him obsessively like you do. By 2024, the GOP will have moved on for to a guy with 29 or 30 electoral college votes who's on track to win re-election in Florida as its governor. But now it's all rally around Trump. Ironically, the Democrats are more likely in their actions to get Trump back in the White House than they are to get him in jail. All you had to do was leave him alone ignore him, let him be a bull in the China shop of Republican primaries, and maybe those candidates will all lose in November, and you can thank him. But instead, because you're emotional, because you feel smited, slighted, and insulted by Donald Trump and his voters, you want to throw him in prison. You are convinced 
He's the making of an authoritarian. You don't even see the authoritarianism on your own side. You're absolutely unaware that you have become exactly like you think he is. And so if justice be done, damn the consequences, well, you will get the consequences. If you want this country to not fracture, you've got to move on from Donald Trump. The right can't move on from Donald Trump until you do. The right will circle the wagons until you let it go. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Your actions to go after Trump will result in a reaction to defend Donald Trump. You want Trump to fade away, go away, and lose his grip on American politics? You've got to let him go away, and he will lose his grip. But I actually kind of think a lot of you people don't want him to go away because you're convinced you can get political capital and political mileage out of letting Donald Trump stay at the forefront. And so that's what you're doing. You don't care about the consequences. You don't care about fracturing the country. You don't like these people anyway who vote for Trump. You're fine building a new country on the rubble that you're about to create. And if I'm wrong, well, then you better let this go, exercise some grace, and lose your emotional attachment to venting about Trump. Bygones, move forward. Otherwise, you are going to cause and reap a whirlwind. Speaking of whirlwinds, well, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm doesn't actually cause a whirlwind. It just causes a vortex through a fan that sucks in particles and cleans the air and eliminates odors. You can use it and clean the air in your house. It gets rid of stinky odors, and that's the big thing for me that I love this device for. It's slightly bigger than your hand. You can plug it into the wall or a USB cord in your car, power it, and wipe out odors. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in my discount code. On the very front page of the website, you'll see a box that says, what's your code? You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, ERIC3, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms, one for downstairs, one for upstairs, one for your basement or your car or your your RV, or like me, I keep one in my suitcase when I travel in case the hotel room or the rental car stinks. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, and you will get three of these for less than $200 with free shipping delivered to your home. They are worth it. If you got stinky odors in your house or a rental car, a regular car, you've been smoking in your car, you want to wipe out the odors, Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it's what you need. EdenPureDeals.com, ERIC3 is the discount code. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, well, you should know that uh, Senate funding is not going good for the GOP. They're having to take down advertisements in Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, because they're running out of money. These are key states. The GOP needs to hold Pennsylvania and Wisconsin to hold the Senate, to even have a shot at taking the Senate. They've got to pick up uh, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia. They're having terrible problems up in New Hampshire. The guy who is the front runner there is uh, generally agreed by everybody, including the Trump folks, of being uh, the weakest of the candidates. Uh, but he is all about the stolen election stuff from 2020. So he's attracting uh, some measure of support from Republican voters up there. And the GOP, they, they, Maggie Hassan is a very vulnerable candidate up there, and they are really hoping to be able to to make some inroads there, but it doesn't look like they're going to be able to. Uh, the problem, the, the well, first of all, two notable things here, two notable things. First, nobody's talking about Nevada and Georgia, which is actually a good sign. The I actually talked to someone yesterday, so I'm a skeptic of this Philip, uh, Phillips Academy polling. 
that came out. Phillips Academy, it's a boarding school up north, and it showed that um, that Walker is beating Warnock, and he's doing so because of suburban voters who have shifted back to the right. And I've talked to a lot of people who say there may be an unknown pollster, but that polling is it's showing up at a lot of polls. And then, of course, Kemp in the lead in Georgia. The other one is Adam Laxalt in Nevada. You don't see the Republicans cutting ad buys in Nevada or Georgia, which is pretty telling. They actually more and more are there's a growing confidence in the GOP that they can win Nevada and win Georgia, uh, which would definitely, if they can hold Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, help them take back uh, the Senate. And also in Wisconsin, the Democrats just elect nominated a radical leftist. And then the uh, Fetterman up in, in Pennsylvania, my gosh, the more I hear that guy talk, there's really something wrong with that guy after his stroke. Uh, we're going to get into that, actually, when we come back. I had some audio yesterday I meant to play for you, and I didn't. There's something wrong there, and that's going to matter. And keep in mind, we're still two months away.